0: the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This.
1: This.
2: This is is AV AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
3: This is AV AV Week. Episode 129, recorded Saturday, February 8th, 2014. Huddling in the White House. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week online. This is AV Week. AV, AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information. Good afternoon. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Welcome. Uh, With us this week is George Tucker. He is the engineering coordinator for World Stage, and at this point in my relationship with him, the entirety of my brain. How are you, sir?
4: (laughs) That doesn't bode well for
3: either one of us. No, it does not.
4: Good Saturday to you all. Saturday. (laughs) Uh,
3: Also with us, uh, Heather has been on before. Her name is Heather Sadorvitz. Last time she was with us, she had a different title, but this time she is the president of Southtown Audio Video. Look at you go.
2: Look at me go. Hello, C- all. C- congratulations, ma'am. Thank you.
3: Uh, if, you're, if you're on Twitter, and, and the Heather Sidorowitz part doesn't sound familiar, she's known as Tech Um, which is how she introduced herself to me at, at Infocom last year. So uh, welcome, ma'am. Uh, also with us is Josh Strago. Josh, uh, it, he works for ICS as a project manager. Uh, he also does a lot of stuff with the Red Band and, and, and Chris Netto's uh and, uh, and the guys over there, um, and this week he's a thorn in Gary Kay's side. So, how are you, sir?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, it's been a very, very busy week. I think I had four articles circulating on four different sites. So, Dude. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been nuts.
3: Well, at least you're busy, you know, at least you're keeping busy. So, uh, And last but not least, my favorite doctor in the whole wide world, it's the only time I'll call you a doctor, hopefully, Dr. Yoram Solomon, Vice President of Corporate Strategy for Penview. How are you, sir?
1: I'm good. And did I mention that I spent half the night in jail? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> why, why did you Why did you spend half the night in jail, Yoram? Okay, not that exciting, but uh, I went on a police ride along and uh, with uh, Plano's uh, finest, hmm. and we got into an incident, and uh, we apprehended, well, I sat in the car, but we apprehended uh, uh, suspects, we took them to jail, and then for three hours, they did paperwork. That's for future
0: easy. reference, you did it single-handedly.
2: Yes! <laughs> yes. The gun was no, I, drawn! I,
0: I played with the air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> just
3: for the record, that's how Breaking Bad started. If you guys remember correctly, you know uh, that's right. You know, he, who that's was true, it? it was
2: right along. Yeah, it was
3: a ride along. Walter White was riding along, saw his former student jumping out of a meth lab, and said, "Hmm, I can do this." Hmm. You know, not that you know. Anyhow, uh, th- this week we're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff. First of all, uh, the man that just spent the night in jail also hung out with the country CIO, and we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about some integration stuff, some some installation. Technology that is changing and and kind of rearranging. There's a stretchable liquid metal for pulling, you know, that pulls cable and some other stuff. Uh, BiAmp has some new products that are AVB uh, specific, and Chrome, or specifically Google, is trying to get into the huddle spaces. Uh, But first, something that actually Heather sent down uh, early this morning, and we're going to talk about Sony's PC business is DO is dead um sorry guys uh i have i still have a Vio a that i program on but this is kind of sad uh and according to wired their tvs are next uh which we're showing a very
2: that's crazy
3: very old tv uh heather since you sent this one down how big of a deal is this i mean is this do you think maybe this is sony's uh just cutting the the dead the dead weight or is this a, a significant shift
2: you know, I, well, I, I feel feel the shift. I feel like that that's it's, it's an old boyfriend re breaking up with me. <laughs> um, you know, Sony. It's just that name that's been out there for so long, um, and we all know it. We f- it's a feel good name. Mm-hmm. We everyone is either owned or owns a Sony TV. Um, I remember learning that pointless trivia knowledge via was video audio integrated operations for no good reason. Do I know that? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I didn't,
3: t- so congratulations there. See,
2: there you go, right? Pointless knowledge. Um, and the TV side just, uh, I have to say, it, it it hurts me a little bit should their TVs go away.
3: Uh, <laughs> Josh, when it <laughs> comes to Sony, they have been around for an awful long time in, in the broadcast field. But here's the thing. This is a company that has an awful lot of silos. And I've said this before on this broadcast and, and written about it. They have so many arms. They have so many different, different um, verticals that they could probably do to cut away some of them uh, and maybe focus on stuff like, I don't know, movies and music and other technologies. So is this a big deal?
0: Not really, uh, okay. to be perfectly honest. I mean, I used to work for for a guy who used to work for Sony and as he took over the company, uh, the manufacturer I was working for, it was a perpetual story of, when I was at Sony, oh, this is geez, how we did seriously. things. <laughs> oh, seriously. I and what's, what made it better every time was that his division didn't exist anymore. So <laughs> clearly they were successful in what they were doing. So he was in the, in the Walkman division. Oh, clearly. <laughs> but you know it's i mean they've been chopping away go back and look at some of their wireless microphone technology they had amazing wireless microphones and those are gone you look at everything else that they're getting rid of and you start to look at where they're investing a lot of their money and a lot of it is in the ps4 i mean they're going yeah, to war it. right now with yeah. microsoft trying to take over the home that's that's where they're trying to invest their money right now and rightfully so because microsoft's xbox one is you know, if that's a battle to be fought, and there's only one other player, so why not, you know, chop off some of the dying limbs and and put the money elsewhere?
2: Oh, no. But don't you think that the TVs are so much of the core of who they are?
3: Well, and, and I see, I see definitely that where you, where you're coming from, because that was, you know, Sony. Say, let's take it back to the to the 70s, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, Sony was the home, right? If you were anybody and you had you know any any sort of technical prowess to you. You had a Sony TV, and you had a you had a Sony, um, it, well, Betamax actually at the, t- at the time, but you right. had Sony products. You had a Walkman. You had this, that, and the other. And so I can definitely see. You know, it is kind of sad. It's
1: it's it's a passing of the guard, I guess. Um, well, there's uh, th- there's an interesting side to it. Um, Sony used to be if, if you go back really a long time, Sony was an innovator. Sony were was where you found things for the first time. That's where the the uh, uh, the transistor radio came from, the the Walkman, and the boombox, they came from Sony and the the thing is I read a book once that talked about uh, product strategy for uh, high-tech companies and he talked about vectors of differentiation and the thing is if you can be an innovator you can take a certain route but you have to continue and innovate along this route and once you decide that you're going to now work on improving the value or or the quality, Sony became, from an innovator, it became a quality company. So it, you, you got Sony products because they were high quality, mm-hmm. they were in Taiwanese, they, they were made in Japan, the quality was better, the quality control was better, but that is not sustainable. And that's, I think, what we're seeing in some of their businesses.
3: So do you think they've lost their innovation or, are they, or they've lost that quality control?
1: I, no, I think the quality control is pretty high. I think they lost their innovation.
4: Yeah, that is kind of sad. Yeah, I have to agree. It was, it was. I mean, I get the feeling that this is sort of like that uh, Monty Python skit when he walks into the pet shop. This is an ex parrot <laughs> <Yep. laughs> it, it really has come to that degree with them, and we've talked endlessly, uh, almost ad nauseum, as it were, about how they just keep missing the mark from the way back to the DAT machine to not seeing what was coming with uh, the tape hey, and the CDs going got away. They have Blu-ray. Oh, oh my what? God. <laughs> right, on the, right on the cusp of physical media going away. Yes. You oh, may or may not
0: want it. And let's look right at that. I mean, you talk about them addressing Blu ray right as we move to 4K, which is the only kind of display they're still talking about making. Mm. It's true. It's true. Okay, so
3: here's a stupid question. I don't know if it's a stupid question, and I, I understand the basics of, of, of Blu ray and, and 1080p and, and the different formats there. Can Blu ray not sustain? or not reproduce 4K? Is that what we're saying? Is that is that maybe not possible? Not is that as possible? a hard medium. Okay. Because that it was one doesn't have a, There's not enough
0: data on the disk to, in order to put It's 50 a,
4: a gigs 4K. for crying out loud. Well, no, but aren't there... And there it's were, still not enough. <laughs> well, weren't there, there were some forms of it that had like the four layer, you know, the different yeah, levels yeah, that yeah. would go through. I thought that could do some of it, but you wouldn't get very much. I know they were chasing that at least two or three years ago. Um, but the truth is, regardless of whether it can do it or not, it's about streaming. And it people aren't stream. buying yes. physical yeah, media, absolutely. except for maybe vinyl. But that's sort of a nostalgia thing. I doubt you're going to have very many people doing a nostalgia buy for Blu-ray. Oh, no, no. You, you watch. They're going to
3: be doing a nostalgia buy for Laserdisc. <sighs> and then Sony will be back. Buying right on eBay.
1: top, baby. Yeah. On eBay. On
3: it. eBay nights. Nice. <laughs> they were going to rule eBay. Actually, here's, here's a stupid <laughs> – uh, well, a really short aside. Uh, about a month ago, I had to do uh, – I had to convert from HD DVD to, uh, to Blu-ray. And I had to go on eBay, and it cost 300 bucks to buy an old DVD player, an old uh, HD DVD player because – That was the Hmm. format that it was made in. So yeah, still three hundred bucks. Still three hundred bucks. Well, originally they were like six hundred bucks or a thousand.
2: Supply and demand.
3: Uh huh. All right, from our buddies over at CE Pro, Legrand is acquiring. I'm going to butcher this, so I'm just going to say it: Lester, Laystar, and C2G. uh, Which for those of us uh, who used to buy from C2G, it also used to be called Cables to Go. Um, The the skinny on this, guys, is the fact that uh, Legrand is picking them up. The details were not, you know, uh, available. I guess. Um, but they should completely integrate everything uh, in the next month or two. So basically, by Infocom, uh, Legrand will have themselves a, a bright, shiny new uh, new partner. Uh, the first question, and Joram, we'll start with you on this. Uh, was this a good move? I mean, was was this, you know, what changes, was it a good move from Legrand, and then what changes should we expect in either Legrand or in, in, in C2G as a result of this
1: purchase? Well, I, I have to admit I, I don't know enough about uh, neither one of those businesses. I, I think the, the weird thing is uh, uh, the question is what what did they buy? What, what did they get? I mean, is it a commitment to move uh, everything to optical? Is it are, are you buying the last buggy whip company uh, that's out there? Um, that's that that's the question. What was the plan? What's behind it? Yeah. Yeah, Josh, um,
3: who do you think benefits most out of this? Is it Legrand? Is it Quicktron, which is another company that that is a part of the purchase, or is it is it C2G, or is it the customers in general?
0: To be perfectly honest, I'm a little confused as to what, what they're going to do with this whole thing in general. I mean, I get the fact that Legrand has a lot of the floor boxes and the racks and all those little pieces and components that go into it, and now... The the big part of this for me coming from the integrator side is I saw cables to go in this so C2G yeah. and it's like okay so great now I get to call you and there's my floor box there's my uh, there's my rack and oh hey give me all these patch cables so if they're gonna put themselves in a position where they can now say tell us what your interconnectivity is and we will ship you the complete package of rack floor box and all the interconnective cables hey that's that's kind of cool that but. Is cool. I, I can't see them doing that based on the way that Cables to Go has always functioned.
3: Well, and you make a good point because if I, because if so I, the, the Cables to Go has kind of functioned as a wholly owned little. I mean, let's, let's be honest. You know, you can go straight to Cables to Go. It's not uh, a distributor model. It's not a uh, a um, a uh, vendor model. You know, you you don't have you don't have to have a Cables to Go or a C two G uh, dealership to, to sell that. You know, you go straight to the website. So. Uh, Heather, when, yeah. when it comes to, to this deal, I mean, it, who do you think benefits the most out of this?
2: I don't know who benefits the most. I, I don't know. This one didn't strike me as a, you know, there's no Nest Google acquisition. No. <laughs> no. Not it $3 wasn't, billion. I, I, no, no. I, I, it, it just struck me more as a, they're just filling out to become, you know, a, the, that maybe a larger monster of different pieces of that pie to put together. I, maybe maybe they're aligning to be, I don't want to say Snap AV, but that kind of site where, you know, that you can buy one, get it, get it all there, get get all the different pieces together. Um, yeah, it, it's not, it, you know, it didn't strike me as a, as a as a huge change to the industry, but maybe I'm wrong.
3: All right, George, Heather, and, and Josh have both mentioned the fact that this is possibly, you know, a get it all here one skew or, or one shop, stop shop for uh, for integrators and for, for end users alike is that is that a valid you know take on this
4: I think so I think you're still seeing a consolidation from the recession um, the independents or those who could stand alone are starting to say well those who aren't so strong on their feet we need to consolidate and maybe try to become a one-stop I think this is also the mono price effect. Mm. Monoprice is getting into a lot of stuff, and it's the dirty little secret for a lot of installer and live event companies, I might mention, where we get cables from. You know, We're no longer building our own. Part of the article talked about the biggest seller is and uh, going towards pre-terminated cables. Now, for a staging or live event company, you get that. It's just less expensive to have someone pre-terminate them. Then try to have a field of guys who, you know, in the old days, you all started off in those companies as soldering, right? And making making XLR cables or crimping BNC, um, which I find fascinating and might actually be a dovetail into Heather's article in, uh, about uh, being born, born of a certain age and learning some skills.
2: Generation awesome. Generation awesome.
4: <laughs> Dude. Dude. Um, but I, I really do think it's the monoprice effect that we need to get this, that we are so tight for our margins and so tight for time in a lot of things that we are looking towards either an integrator houses coming together to supply stuff or it's monoprice. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about the whole monoprice effect, but yeah, you're probably right. Uh, all right, guys, moving
3: on. The uh, ISE, the Integrated System Europe show, was this week. And one of the more interesting things, at least for the whole AVB slash T. Um, debate uh, was Tessera. Uh, Tessera is a line uh, made by Biamp, and well, they came out (laughs) with a new one. And and this is something that's been been cooking for a while, obviously, because they had actual product and they have it on on their website. It's called the Forte, Tessera Forte. And it is, as the the article in Installation International says, uh, it is AVB for application-specific settings. In the mind of the integrator, read Biamp Nexia, folks. Uh, and the reason I, I, I mention that is because the Nexia for for Biamp's point of view was one of their and still one of their more popular lines. Um, and if if you think about it, if you if you're not familiar with it, basically it's it's an all-in-one um, fixed configuration. And we'll bring up a picture here for those of you watching the video. Uh, it's a fixed configuration um, audio processor, um, DSP. It's specific because you can buy them for video conferencing. You can with AEC built in. You can buy them for uh, regular audio conferencing, and, and this, that, and the other. Here's why it's significant, though, and the fact that you've got um, Biamp taking AVB one step further, and they're and they're doing it with this this fixed configuration, this Nexia uh, type um, type layout. To me, it's significant. To me, it's it's them taking it one step further. Um, George, first question for you, though. Is this the right move uh, for BiAmp to make, to, to put so many chips, as it were, uh, in the AVB uh, slot?
4: It's really hedging your bets, isn't it? Um, look, they included Dante in it. So yeah. where does that leave AVB? Uh, you know, they're supposed to be at one point we had someone on one of our shows who was talking about how they were going to be merging and it would become one standard. I'm not so sure that's happening. And I think they're hedging their bets and saying, here's a machine that will consolidate them all. Now, I don't know if anyone else has had the opportunity to look at the box, I certainly haven't. My wonderment is, what happens when you go from AVB to Dante or to any other protocol they say they're changing between? Is there loss? Are there certain considerations to have? I'd love to hear more about that. Um, But again, my my main point is that, uh, including Dante, this is a step towards trying to make a common protocol, but I think you're going to see Dante win. The the only thing I, I I haven't
3: I don't have experience doing Dante. I have experience doing CobraNet with it, uh, mm. and that's pretty seamless. It really is. You just now that's with the Tesseract server, so that's that's the big mamma jama. Obviously, with this fixed configuration, I don't have any experience because they just released it this week. So, <laughs> uh, Heather, is this is this the right move for, for Biamp to go down the AVB route uh, or to push more and and down this this AVB?
2: You know, I'm not super familiar with Biamp. Um, it's not a product that I have done a lot with um so i'm gonna refrain from this one
3: that's all right i appreciate it <laughs> uh mr strago you are my you are you're in a, a uh, one of the main audio guys on this kick it off here brother uh is is this the the is this a good move for biamp to to uh to be putting you know this big of a bet on avb
0: here's the thing while the avb is is very important it's the dan one card that was more important okay because the Dan 1 card gave them a 64 by 64 Dante uh, matrix capability up through the server. What they've done is said, okay, we're going to give you AVB because we've already got AVB built into the Tessera, ar- and now we're going to give you Dante capability on top of that. Whereas Dante is basically hedging its bets with everyone with the release of the news that, oh, hey, we're going to incorporate AES67 standard. We've already got EVB which has IEEE standards. So Dante is playing every market possible, saying, okay, where do you want to go? We're going to cover you. What Biamp's doing right here is perfect for what they wanted to do with the Tessera and perfect the perfect next step for what they want to do. Because they built that giant server, and now, as you said, they were really popular with the Nexia system, and now they can kill that damn thing, finally. <laughs> because now they've, it with fire. Well, now they've built well. a box that can replace it, and on top of that, it can be built into an already existing Tessira system by networking it via AVB, or you can start small and then incorporate into a larger system via AVB. So they've given themselves the ability to go in either direction of growth, via AVB, but also given themselves the ability to go dante very quickly with the change of a card so they've really given themselves some flexibility to grow and move here while still providing the ability of growth to eliminate a product that should have died five years ago
3: well it's interesting you said that because i was I've, i'm starting a project with it it's a nightclub which i've never done before so this will be interesting um and, and there's a lot of different zones and stuff like this that and the other and, and we're looking at, at different products, and, and, and I happen to like Biamp a lot. I have, I've got a lot, of, a lot of experience with it. And I made the comment, I said, well, you know, it's, it's it dollars for dollars in, in, in processing and this, that and the other. It's actually cheaper to do a Tessera than it is to do an Audio AudioFlex, if you're not familiar. Those are both big, multi-rack unit uh, devices. But the Tessera simply has twice as much power, twice as much processing power out of the box um, that, that the Flex does. And actually, one of the questions I was going to ask that, Josh, you brought up you think then that this is going to kill the Nexia line. Will it also kill the, the audio the audio line for, for buy amp
0: No, this won't kill the audio line because they're still going to need that medium-sized product. And okay. the audio line still has the capability. So what you're going to get is all those small meeting rooms, all the huddle rooms, because this is only going to give you, what is it, a 12 by 8 matrix, I believe. Yeah. And you know when you start to get into a system that small, you need capability of growth. And that's where the audio flex is going to come into play for them. And so they're going to have the ability to go really small room to a server for the super large installations to the really small installations uh, with the Tasira server capabilities. Or you can go to the isolated systems, which is where the Audio Flex, because don't forget, in addition to the Audio Flex, they still have the Audio Solos. Yeah, that's
3: true. So with
0: the Audio Solos, you still have the fixed configuration of isolated units. So I'm, you might start to see the Audio Solos lose popularity depending on where they price these things. But typically speaking that nexia the nexia system has been it's outdated at this point if i see it in a scope i throw that thing out faster than i can you can you can spit like i get that thing the hell out of there i don't want anything to do with it anymore because there's nowhere to go with it you can't expand on it it's gonna <laughs> go live in iraq for two years and die
3: hence hence the term fixed configuration so all right yoram we'll we'll let you chat on this for a second uh, when it yes. comes to this technology, AVB and Dante and all these different audio protocols, um, is this? Do you think maybe looking at it from a, a fifty thousand foot view, uh, is this the right move for, for for Biamp to go down as a company uh, to put so much uh, stock into AVB? Or, or like George said, you know they're they're hedging their bets with with putting Dante in there.
1: Well, uh, like Heather, I don't know enough about this, but unlike Heather, it doesn't stop me from talking about it. (laughs) I like the cut of your cloth, man. I love the cut of your cloth. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think, you know, especially, I'll I'll touch on one aspect of it, and this is the multi-protocol. And it was kind of funny because earlier this week I did meet with the uh, Plano police chief to talk about uh, systems that they have for surveillance. So I I know it's, it's different but one of the biggest complaints that he had is that you have a lot of source and then this applies to the abb market as mm-hmm. well you have a lot of different sources from a lot of different protocols and what you're trying to do is assure interoperability interoperability transparency ubiquity of uh, of the the content and so when you're trying to hedge your bet on a protocol uh, whether it's dante or or any other um, I think it makes a lot of sense to use whatever processing power you have to assure interoperability so you can accept any type of protocol and send it to any other protocol network.
3: Yeah, and that, that makes sense. That well, It does make sense. That was one of the impressive things about, about the Tessera server. Right. Now, I don't know, again, haven't touched this box yet. Uh, I'll try to get my hands on it in the next couple of months, depending on when they start shipping it. Um, but the, the server, the, the interoperability was really, really, really impressive. So... Uh, all right, you are listening to AV Week. That gentleman right there is George Tucker. He's from World Stage. Heather Sedervitz, the brand-spanking-new president of Southtown Audio Video. Look at you go. Uh, Josh Strago, project manager for ICS and the proverbial thorn and Gary K. Side this week. At least you replaced me. Uh, and <laughs> Solomon from uh, from Penview. Uh, moving on, folks, let's talk about Google for a second, or Chrome specifically. Um CNET uh, put up an article that says, Chrome's next target is your meeting room. Bum, bum, bum. And I immediately thought of all the huddle spaces that all of us are putting in, uh, whether that's in someone's home or in the, in, in the office or what have you. Uh, Yoram, we'll, we'll kick it off with you on this. Uh, when it comes to just the, the idea of, I don't know, can Google do this? I mean, can Google actually pull off a... a polished product to take over video conferencing and, and the the uh, interactivity that we have in our different meeting rooms
1: let me start with what what are we using for today's call we're using a google product and we're using exactly. it Don't we're using it. It, it we're using it in a commercial application you know <laughs> i'm coming from a company that uh, thir- for 34 years uh, before i joined was a telecom company where uh, we knew everything about 99.999 the five nines we're not in a five nines world anymore we're in a world of uh integration we're in a world of different types of content uh look at how how good a quality of a call do we have do we Mm -hmm. have 99.999 we do not so i think that i I like what they did I, i like that the new system they should they are rightfully uh going into um the, the teleconferencing uh, area uh, I think with the right product I think with the right price point uh, which which is critical I like that comment about uh, remembering a 20-digit number I'll I'll tell you something I I do a lot of presentations internationally and it's hard I I, I learned that uh, if you wanna start up uh, and I'm sorry I uh, hope this is I'm still going to be invited, but oh, yeah. I'm using WebEx and I'm using yeah. GoToMeeting. And uh, I I know that for the first fifteen minutes, what we're going to do is make sure that everybody is on and that it works and that we can share things and and all. And and there you have it, a tool that is much cheaper that I believe would just work great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh, can
3: you uh, can can Google do this? Can they can they pull this off either in in the residential or in the the commercial world?
0: Ah, uh, definitely in the commercial world. Uh, coming from, I mean, I work in Silicon Valley, so I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, "Oh, yeah, we're just going to throw an Apple TV in there to handle all of our presentations."
2: That explains your great tan.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> pasty everywhere. That's why we grow the beards, so that we don't have to have color.
3: Right. Um, is that why hipsters grow beards? Okay,
0: it is. <laughs> uh, so basically, when I when I saw this when I saw this coming out, uh, you know, the other day, it was very much oh, crap, now what little thing am I going to have to install for all the little huddle rooms and little meeting rooms? And then, as Yoram just pointed out, there was the 20-digit comment. And I just sat there and I went, thank you, Google, for now making us have to convince everyone in the teleconferencing unit that this is not going to be sufficient for something larger than a 10-by-10-foot 10 10 room. Yeah, it, it, there, I mean, that's the, and that's the thing, is Google is selling itself through Hangouts, through Google+, through Google Chrome, as this interactive product that's going to be cross-platform, your mobile device, your home devices, and now and your tablets and everything else, and they're going to make it easy for you. They're going to make everything easy for you, and you'll just have to rely on them. Only they're not talking about the fact that they can only work to a certain level. So because people are so familiar with the brand, they're going to go, oh, well, I can use that in my home. I mean, it's the it, I compare it to the Bose effect of... Yeah. I have this in my home, that means I can use it in my house of worship, that means I can use it in my commercial space, that means I can use it in my Starbucks, wherever you want to. But it's that Bose effect of, we've made it so easy for you that suddenly now you can use it everywhere, only you can't. So they're going to be successful with it, and it's going to piss off a lot of integrators in the process.
3: Tell me how you really feel, brother.
0: (laughs) I'm going to make a lot of money trying to fix these systems. (laughs) There you go.
3: That's what's going to happen. Uh, Heather actually I want to take it to you to the to the home. Is this something where Google can make inroads in the business place in the, in the business market and transfer that to the home market for for you know, I don't know. I, I telecommute uh, two or three days out of the week so that would be nice to be able to have face-to-face meetings with folks from my house. but I don't know if, if they can if they can pull that one off. can they do you think they can they can pull it off and, and get people to do you know video conferencing from the house with Chrome?
2: You know, we, we talked about earlier about how, you know, with Sony and how they were, had so many different silos. And, and Google, you just have to, you know, I would love to be there to, to wonder what what where are which silo are they focusing on today. Yeah. Um, obviously we just had that huge purchase with Nest that says that Google is committed, at least it says to me, that Google is committed to the home and, and the Internet of Things and where we're going in that direction. Um, my favorite line of that article was, the company needed to solve its own teleconferencing problems. And and that's it, is that we keep running into these glitches. Technology is just not a perfect science. Um, otherwise, we probably wouldn't all have jobs. But um, I, I want it to work. Um, I think that Google has definitely potential. I've never done a Google Hangout before like we are today. And it was incredibly simple. And there was a new feature that you two didn't even, you know, you discovered today, hey, this feature now exists and it's just there. So the ability to do that already on an infrastructure that already exists says that they have the ability to do it, um, to take over, probably not to find a niche in the market. I think so.
3: Yeah. And that's probably the, the better question is whether or not, you know, they can, they can get, you know, some sort of market share. Heather mentioned something. We started doing video, uh, the video version of, of AV Week back in October, I believe. Uh, George, correct me if I'm wrong on that.
4: I believe, yeah, just about.
3: Um, and it, Heather's right. We, she mentioned the fact that we we discovered a new a new a new tool today. It's it's a tool uh, called Uber Conference. You can bring people's audio in only uh, by giving them a phone number, and they can join your hangout like that. I, I will say this about about at least about the Hangouts specifically. That's obviously what we have experience doing. Almost every week or every other week, there is some new feature. Uh, six months ago, when we started this, we didn't have uh, the thing called Control Room, and now on Google Hangouts, you have something called Control Room. I could literally change the volume of every single person on this call, including my own. You know, six months ago, we didn't have that. It was all or nothing, right? You, I could mute all of you, or I can mute you know, or unmute all of you. Now, I could change the volume of, of everybody, right? Uh, same thing with with the the video. You, I can you know select different videos and stuff like that. So almost every every couple of weeks they're doing something, and this costs nothing, right? So that's right. that's <laughs> maybe that's the danger of it. Is the and fact. they did
2: it in a really good interface as well. Yes. So yeah. it was easy to use. It wasn't. You didn't have to be techy or nerdy or you know to use it. But you want you you know I had a moment of panic like oh my dude, will I be able to click the right button? But it was so, it was easy, and that's that's the advantage that they have on this conference side, is to, to, to get the right interface um, and to make it that simple.
0: Yeah. Well, and the one thing that I haven't heard anybody mention yet, which is the fact that Google's giving itself a recurring uh, revenue with this this uh, Chromebox for meetings by charging a service fee. There's an mm-hmm. annual service fee to use this thing. And that's unique hmm.
3: for them, too, is the fact that they're, you know, let's be honest, they don't, with the exception of ads, they don't really know how to make money. <laughs>
0: <That's just> the, <laughs> I'm serious. They they just simply don't. What are you talking about? They can sell Motorola for two point something billion dollars. Yeah and yeah, yeah they bought about, it for like eight.
3: Yeah, so that's you know it's like uh, it's like Gomez uh, from Adam's Family, you know, buy high and sell low, uh, George. Um, it's, it can can Google do this? I mean, let's let's be honest here. I, and, I, and I don't again love Google. That's what we're using now. Um, it is very user friendly. Um, you think they can they can pull this off?
4: I think they can. Uh, Josh pointed out something that I think is the crux of it. If they're going to get into this market, the larger conference rooms, the larger user base will be a problem. But if we cons- if we can keep with and consistently use the huddle space as the model, and that lasts for a good three to five years, that may be enough to cut off the ve- the revenue towards the bigger guys that were trying to still fight, find a spot. Therein has your little struggle. If that concept works from home, in the huddle rooms, that kind of thing, then there's some serious issue there and Google can probably take over a larger market share than anyone would have anticipated. Uh, other than that, I, I think it's a great tool and if they get better video, cool. Like you said, every day we look at this thing, we go, hey, look, new tool. Yeah, hey. This is great. Um, we don't have to invest a lot of money in TriCasters and things like that, although that would be nice. Um, but to do this, it's... it's dead simple and what does it take well a little google privacy issue but other than that it's pretty good little little small privacy issue so uh all right about
3: well, uh, loud baby or not at all <laughs> uh, well you know the nsa is watching uh my seat Hi. at the, the table <laughs> with america's cio uh it wasn't my seat though because my name's not Yoram solomon uh, Yoram, actually Yoram sent me a, a neat little message it said, hey, by the way, next time I'm on Remind me to tell you about uh, about my meeting at the White House So I was like, <laughs> dude, cool So here's what we're going to do First of all, uh, we're going to ask you about it, Yoram uh, And then uh, the three of us, uh, four of us Are going to, you know, um, pick your brain First of all, you know, how did you get How did you get invited to the White House in the, in the first place? How does that happen?
1: Well, I'm going to guess that they went down Very much down a long, long, long list before they got to my name, so I'm not sure what happened to all the people above me. But uh, it it was amazing. It was an email which you know kind of talks about the White House's approach to technology. You know, the president, the first president to tweet, and um, but but I I get an email and it says that you're invited to the White House uh, for a, a meeting of the Economic Council. And uh somebody is going to call you to ask for your social security number and I said, Yes, <laughs> right. That's, uh, I, if you the
2: government, you have it.
1: <laughs> yes, I see where you're going with that. And I thought, you know, I gotta hand it to them. Mm-hmm. This is the best uh, the best ever hoax. Uh but I started checking and, and the more I checked, the more this thing kind of looked real. And at some point I said, you know, I'm gonna call the White House and ask them. So I called the White House and they passed me over to a. uh, uh Uh, Sam Brown, who's the director of the White House Business Council, who um, uh, wasn't there. He was late, uh, so I left him a voicemail, and uh, the next day uh, I'm sitting in a conference, and the phone rings, and I look at the number, and I see that the uh, leader of that conference already looks at me bad because I'm not supposed to take calls, and I'm looking at this number, and I'm thinking... This is the White House number that I called yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked outside, and sure enough, it was him. It was Sam Brown, and he uh, he told me, yeah, th- I got your message. This is a real meeting. I hope you can make it, um, <laughs> and it's going to be important. And I walked back to class, and, uh, of course, uh, I immediately started talking um, and I said how often in your life do you get a chance to say I'm sorry I had to take this call it was the White House I was
4: expecting you to walk out the door going yes Mr. President what can I do uh, for yes, you. Yes. <laughs>
1: but we did go there it was a group of about 50 people from uh, all around the nation uh, they held three of those meetings uh, in uh, uh, throughout the year I believe. Uh, it, it was a great event uh, there were 10 people who sit with the president on a regular basis advise to him on different topics uh, from immigration. It was a lot about business and and economy Uh, and yes they did try to sell on the Affordable Care Act and about the uh, immigration reform and everything. But but it was uh, it was pretty interesting uh, to hear um, Stephen Van Rokel, the uh, the CIO. I mean, talk about having an IT department with. Uh, and he said, you know, um, he started by saying uh, that, that he apologized that, that they have cut the sequester has cut his budget, so he's now down to eighty two billion dollars a year. That and, poor guy. Um, yes, which is yeah, it's it's more than we do. But um, he, he started with a very interesting story. He said when he goes to buy a house, which kind of led to the article that I was asked to write, uh, when he buys a house, uh, he looks at the bandwidth that's going to be available for that house, uh, which obviously makes him not the decision maker in their family. <laughs> very nice. Anyway, what did you want to know? Well, here's the thing. I mean, Besides the
3: interesting story, I mean, what, what did you take away from it? I mean, what, what was your takeaway? Um from you know, not only talking with obviously you know uh, the, the the chief you know, information officer of, of the U.S., but from the other people in the room. I mean, this this was a meeting, uh, an economic meeting. It was a technology meeting. What was your biggest takeaway? Was it you know did you feel good about the the uh, environment or the the, the um, climate that we're in, or was it one of those where you go, okay, we we've still got some work to do?
1: Well, it was a combination. Uh, it really, when he talked, when the uh, the CIO spoke. Uh, I waited for him to finish, and then I'm going to raise my hand and ask the first question, uh, which would be, at the risk of sounding too obvious, uh, healthcare.gov. <laughs> and, <laughs> but he 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 did not give me an opportunity to do that because he, he went out there and said uh, all by himself, he said, look, we screwed this up. Uh, we didn't do it right. Uh, we can't blame anybody other than ourselves, and we need to uh, – we have a, an amount of uh, – consultants now that are helping us uh, make it right, uh, we did it wrong. It's mm. our fault. And uh, the nice thing is uh, it was more than that. By the way, he's an ex-Microsoft uh, person mm. uh, and I'm, I know there's so many things I can say now but I won't. Um, the, he's uh, he, he took ownership. He had data and that, that to me was key. He had data. He knew exactly how many people would get an error message or did get an error message initially how many get them today how long did it take to download a page on average how long does it take today and so on so he had a lot of that information which to me made me feel uh, very comfortable in some of the other areas uh, you know there there was a lot of um, uh you know we're doing great economy is recovering uh, we really like that at that point it was 7.0 percent uh, unemployment and we're going to kind of ignore the fact that uh, the workforce has reduced because uh, a lot of people are not looking for jobs. Uh, there was a lot of uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, There was the, the title of that session was the business case for the Affordable Care Act um, which is why it's so great and of course we're going to ignore the fact that you need all those young people that do not use health care to pay because otherwise uh, uh, it it doesn't make any business case. Uh, There there was the part about – I I brought up uh, one of the the topics that I was uh, interested in is the – and it might interest you – the JOBS Act uh, that is supposedly aimed at creating better access to capital for startup companies. And Mm -hmm. and we deal a lot with with startup companies. But but I'm I'm not happy with the SEC implementation with Rules 506, the – uh, what what they're proposing to create for crowdfunding, not not crowdfunding like Kickstarter, where you get something in return, but actually getting equity in return. So they're legislating this. Uh, I'm afraid the way they're doing it is a little too paternalistic. It's not going to be give access. It's not going to let me decide how I want to invest. So I, I did bring those up. The the White House was, uh, or, or the the legislator was grading how they wanted to come up with. Um, with rules but the sec kind of really screwed it up and and i thought that i'll bring it up and uh, you know the interesting thing is they followed up with me i'm I'm oh, wow. still uh getting uh emails back and forth on uh who should be the right person and what are the positions so um you know i i felt they listened they listened they took notes so uh, what will they do with it we'll see but they listened and took notes well that's
3: impressive because usually you know i don't get the sense that sometimes they listen so but no, that's, that's a very cool thing on oh, that, that. Like I said, Joram Yor- sent me the note and said, hey, by the way, like, next time and you know, I'm on, let me do this. And yeah, that was, that was very cool. And com- the guys at Commercial Integrator
4: had you, had you write the article. So. I have a question about yes. it, though. Since Yoram, you brought up the idea of broadband, and that brings up the question of, well, who manages what broadband, what bandwidth can be increased, Right. Half of us are saying the government should be at the, uh, the forefront of it, just like it was at the beginning in inventing the Internet, because it was for government and uh, university research, right? And then you've right. got the Verizons and the AT&T saying, you've structured it, thank you very much, and now we're going to take it over and make it the new broadcast airwaves, everybody else get the bloody hell off. Is there any kind of discussion that happened around that?
1: Not so much. The discussion did not happen. Uh, it was more, uh, he, he was a much higher level, uh, and he did not have a lot of time uh, for a question to take uh, our questions uh, compared to the others. Uh, in my opinion, and uh, that's what I wrote in the article, uh, the whole axis, if we go back to DSL, I mean, we would not have made the jump to broadband at DSL if it wasn't for a huge write-off that was made by companies like Covad, Northpoint, Flashcom uh, and others and, and the thing is that uh, I think companies are a lot more uh, careful now if, if I go back to AT&T if you remember those days that when AT&T started selling AT&T was the first company to sell iPhone right when it came out yes. and it wasn't three months later until AT&T said uh, well you know those uh, users of and, and by the way they promised Uh, that you're going to get access, you're going to download videos. That was the essence of why you should move from whoever to AT&T and get an iPhone because of all the video that you're going to get. And it's not even three months later before they say uh, those 10% of iPhone users hog 60% of the bandwidth. And to me, I went, but that's how you sold us. That's what you (laughs) sold to us. So, you know, there're going to be a few write-offs in order to get fiber to to home and and i think it's going to be a, a a combined model where in some places it's going to be government in other places it's going to be companies that are doing it with a plan in mind of how they're going to monetize it in the future and in some cases it's going to be write-offs you know we thought we were going to make money on it we didn't so we're going to go out of business and we're going to leave the infrastructure behind hmm. no, and,
0: Um, You you hit on something in the article that I thought was really interesting, which was, uh, you talked about, and just now you were talking about how one of the things they brought up was, you know, jobs creation was part of the conference when you were there. What I saw you kind of bringing up was the idea of, well, you know, we're so far behind in the U.S. at only getting 7.5 four megabits per second in terms of you know we're eighth in the world in terms of our broadband capabilities it almost sounded like you were screaming you know it's it, it reminded me of like the, the roosevelt new deal it's like okay well here's the new tech deal okay so you know let's hey let's job creation let's go lay all this cut let's lay all the cable let's lay all this to 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 put that out there it'll do a job creation and b will push us back to the forefront is is that kind of something that got discussed as, as a way of uh, bringing all these things together it, it
1: did not actually I did a lot of research to find these numbers and and the the only one thing that it brought up was how far uh, back we are uh, compared to the rest of the world compared to Japan South Korea and, and others and and you know when you look at, we're behind the Czech Republic with And and we're the U.S. And I think that one of the things that happens is is you typically skip a stage and and we're going to skip to the next stage, whether it's fiber or something else, uh, much, much, much higher bandwidth. But I think it starts with a metric. And unless we use this metric, and, and to me, I think that there is a very high correlation between the bandwidth that you have and how advanced your society is. And it's whether it allows doing what we're doing right now, which we couldn't with mm-hmm. uh, without the the bandwidth that we have. And, and it goes beyond that. I, I had a meeting with the city of Richardson for example here in North Texas and they brought up this project that they want to do using a network called Genie that connects very high-speed, very low throughput, uh, very low uh, latency, it connects university centers and they wanted to encourage companies to come up with applications and I said, you know, no company in the right mind is going to come up with an application for a $4,000 $4, reward uh, when the network is not in place Put the network in place, put bandwidth in place, and sit back and look at what uh, what's going to come up. So it, it's going to be a combination. I think it is tied to where we are in, in our education, where we are with our innovation, how much bandwidth do we get. And I think that's the metric we need to use.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the one thing that, that I've kind of held for a while is 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 George mentioned at the fact that it might be some some in in Yoram and Josh did too. Some might be some public, some private. You go back to the cable infrastructure in the U.S. back in the in the seventies. The U.S. paid for certain groups to be connected uh, to to copper. Um, it was so you know places where you couldn't get over the air and you couldn't get um, different services, and it wasn't economically viable for the cable company to, to lay to lay copper. The government subsidize it and, and i think some of that's you know uh, i think it's a viable use of our tax
1: dollars you know as exactly a, as opposed it, it has it, it's sometimes hard to see the direct a direct correlation there is an indirect one but it's a very powerful one yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. well said
3: all right uh one last story guys and i'll let you uh i'll let you get out of here uh there's something that it, it, from time to time I'll, uh, some of the articles that i'll or the some of the places that i'll go to get articles are I don't know, unique at least to me. Uh, One of them is the EE Times, um, which uh, this week had an interesting one. stretchable wiring using liquid metal. This is for all of the integrators out there and and the folks who pull cable. Uh, This sucker can stretch eight times the original length. For anyone who has ever gone through um, and pulled out old cable um, or, you know, I don't know. Put in an infrastructure and put in a sound system, Josh. And you know, for some reason, you're losing your subs at some point, and you pull out the cable, and oh, hey, there's a splice here, or hey, they pulled too hard on this cable, um, and I'm losing. Uh, I'm, I'm, my, my resistance has gone through the roof. Uh, Josh, actually, I'm going to start with you on this. Is this is this as cool as I think it is, or is this just kind of you know, eh, yeah, that's just kind of neat?
0: I think it's really a very cool fact because of you know you think about the fact what's the primary cable that we're pulling at this point in time it's category cable everything is i mean you look at hd base t you look at avb you look at uh, dante you look at cobernet you look at all i mean dm cable everything is going over category cable which means we're dealing with some of the most fragile conductors out there in terms of just easily broken easily broken because if you're go- especially if you're going solid core cat Yep. Uh, cable. Now you're looking at stuff that just breaks almost instantaneously. So now if we're able to have a little flex to it, it's like, okay, well, I just pulled this 50. You know, maybe it might doesn't have to be long lengths, but I just pulled this 50 foot cable and it's not working. Okay, well let me test it. Oh great, one of the leads is dead. So now I've got to pull that back out and pull in a new one, and it just it's more time consuming in the field. So yeah, it's it's great. I, I want to know how much more it's going to cost us per foot of <laughs> copper, but before I see anything else. But, you know, it, it theoretically could provide us with a, a much faster installation, a much easier installation if it's widely adopted and cheap.
3: Oh, cost, whatever. You've got... <laughs> I'm still waiting. I,
2: wish, it just, I wish when it was broken it just didn't work. But instead it will work kind of a little bit. It will work just <laughs> long enough till that, you know, right before the warranty comes out so it's hard to troubleshoot. hmm so I, I have two jobs right now that the, that's exactly what we have to do is pull pull new cable. I, I mean, this is definitely an issue out there um, pulling new cable, trying to, to troubleshoot that that is that cable, and all, all that jazz. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, but this is obviously in a very early stage. This isn't anything that's even being used, right? This isn't no. being used yet as no. a CAT cable or data cable. This is just technology that could be used that way.
3: It could be. It's little so tiny. Yeah.
2: yeah, it'll be used as a children's toy first.
3: Well, let's hope, you know. Exactly. Give it to my kids to chew on some. Uh, George, go ahead.
4: Yeah, no, well, I had a different take on this when, when we when we reviewed the article that I never thought about the pulling part, and maybe because I don't pull cables anymore and everything we do is <laughs> laying across fields or under ramps. Uh, but this actually has a property that as you pull it, the longer it gets, the more resistance there is. So that's something to keep in mind, that it may not be really what they're shooting for. They're shooting for component level or mm. small product level in which you, when you manage that resistance, it could actually have an effect, probably a desired effect, we hope, yeah. on what the machine or the electronics are doing. Um, the down point, of course, is that it's gallium and iridium. And when those things get out into the natural world, they're not very friendly <laughs> to most living things. For sure. um, there was a story, and if you go on YouTube, you can go find one where they pour some gallium and some iridium on an aluminum can, and it basically turns it into a wet paper towel. Uh, wow. fa- fairly quick order. Uh, you know, especially in installations, we did a show, a special, on <laughs> Nation, about um, crossing Category 5 cables with PVC piping and yes. how it deteriorates both, and that's really not a good thing, because most PVC piping would be water piping. That's not good for an installation at all. Uh, just imagine what, what havoc this could wreak. <laughs> Um, But it's really interesting if you combine it with things like graphene, that new material that that they're coming out with that has the electronic capability and what we could possibly come up with with those kind of materials combined. I'm really intrigued to see where they go with it.
0: Well, and actually, George, you just hit on something really interesting coming from the live sound perspective of if the resistance is going to change, okay, great. Well, that can dictate the distance that you can place your amplifiers from your speakers if you're yeah. doing passive resistance. So, okay, well, I know my cable has to provide this resistance, so I'm going to stretch it out to exactly this distance and then <laughs> yeah. clamp it down. Yeah. So you're you not going to get the varied resistance that you could potentially get as a cab- you know, as, as things change.
4: Yeah, you it'd know, be interesting to see if there's a difference between using it in the macro and the micro scale and whether or not they, they can do both. I, it'd be really intriguing to see.
1: By the way, I, I think, uh, first of all, George, uh, thank you for now I have a new way of uh, creating a wet paper towel. I, think <laughs>
4: <laughs> I wouldn't and... want to use it, mind you. It's sort of uh, like the Sochi you yes. know, bed for face water. But...
1: Yes, by the way, it's a lot better than uh, putting plutonium in the water.
4: Well, yes. uh,
1: and, and one thing that, that we're all kind of missing is those flexible wires. I mean, you can pull them like rubber. I mean, what happens with the connector and one end gives up and <laughs> shoots oh. in your face from 50 feet of Think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, to be more serious, uh, th- this is basic research, and uh, th- there are going to be plenty of applications. And, and I think we need to uh, sometimes thing people who do basic research whether they are universities mm-hmm. consortia with uh, billions of dollars spending to them without knowing exactly how mm-hmm. you're going to make money off of it but once they do all of a sudden the applications come out i i can think of uh, a myriad of applications uh, whether initially military uh, later, uh, we're talking about the AV industry, but but uh, a whole lot of uh, you know, if you think of laptops and and other things, where where today you're struggling with the wires that go through the the hinge. Uh, there are plenty of applications. I don't think we're going to suffer from applications. The cost is going to come down as we go through experience curve, as we learn how to manufacture those in in a better way. Um, but but we have to every now and then stop and and give thanks to those who do basic research and do come up with things that enable applications that couldn't be done before.
4: Hallelujah, brother. Yeah. I got to tell you, hallelujah because next time I hear somebody complain that they gave, you know, a million dollars for bovine pheromone research or something similar, they have no idea that the possibilities down the road could turn into something completely different but so universally beneficial. Even and if so. you don't know what it is right, right. now. Right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's the entire almost the entire
3: story of the space program. I mean, how many we have no idea how many how many Technologies and advances that we've we've all benefited from. Well, oh, we do. Tang, Velcro. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes, those two things, George. And the let's MP- not forget and, all the and, things
0: the aliens provided us in their visit. But... Yes. yes,
3: of course. He he provided us with what's that guy's last name? <laughs> the guy that. <there. laughs> oh, never mind. It's, you know,
4: I know, suddenly I just want to hear that guy in uh, was it Ancient Aliens with the hair that stands up aliens. like this. I want to hear him say about that. Now. Aliens, <laughs> regardless of what it is, the the uh,
3: the uh, uh, explanation is aliens. So. Uh, All right. Before we go any further, thank you all so much. Uh, With us is the guy that spent the night in jail, uh, but my favorite uh, doctor, Dr. Yoram Solomon, Vice President of Corporate Strategy at Penview. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
3: How can people get a hold of you or Penview or whatever
1: if they they want to get a hold of you? Tweet me at Yoram. That's it. Y-O-R-A-M. At Yoram.
3: All right. Uh, Also with us, Josh Strago. Josh is the Project Manager for ICS. Also, a prolific writer. Uh, I think you said at one point you had four articles at di- different, very uh, different publications this week. So,
0: yeah, thank you. Sir. <laughs> it's been busy. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much for having me.
3: Well, how can people get a hold of you or find you?
0: Uh, Twitter at jsrago. You can find me on my website at SoundReason. You can find me on the Red Band website. Uh, right now, you can find me offering a critique of the Crystal Ball at Rave. Uh, and actually, brand new this week, this is my big announcement, is I'm officially part of the Infocom All Voices blog now. Oh, very good. Congratulations. Congrats.
2: Congratulations.
3: Thank very you. Cool. All right. Uh, and also uh, with us is Heather Sidorowitz. Heather is the new Presidente of Southtown Audio Video. Congratulations again, ma'am.
2: Thank you very much, sir.
3: And how can people find you?
2: I am on Twitter. I am tech underscore chi, C-H-I. Tech chi is in balance with technology um, you can find me on residential systems i post i blog weekly for them and uh company website is www.southtownav.com
3: very good uh last but not least george tucker engineering coordinator for world stage and uh and my right hand man thank you sir
4: thank you where can people uh, find if you you're looking for me yeah. yeah if it's on social media Tucker twos, I'm probably there. I may mean, not respond to all of them, but I'm there. Uh, yes. I also write for some of the You're E.H. You're that popular. Pubs. That's impressive. He is that popular. I'll respond to I'm obsessive compulsive about getting onto social media sites, and then I let half of them die. But hey. Just, um,
0: just can't be bothered anymore. Well,
2: yeah,
4: you know, if they're not generated. Look, I just got a friend request from Path. I was like, Path? Path. Path. I thought Path Moda's the, the Path. only guy I know that still uses that. Yeah,
3: Johnny Moda and, and Leo Laporte, that's it.
4: <laughs> that's about Leo. it, yes. Uh, but you can also find my writings on some of the EH Pub uh, uh, periodicals. That's uh, Commercial Integrator and Corporate Tech Decisions. Yeah, very cool. As well as here. As well as here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
3: don't follow me uh, if you, if it's it's TDL, right? But go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv, Avnation.tv. George and uh, and my buddy Matt Scott have done an awful lot of really good work on the website. Uh, it's still. Uh, being tweaked, but but very, very impressed with what they've done. You'll find this program as well as a host of others. Uh, we've did a, a recent uh, Live Life, which is George's live staging and event. Uh, EdTech, which is our education show where they're getting ready to do a new uh, AV Social, which is social media and marketing. And a host of others. AVNation.tv. AVNation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.